0: I wanted to really go in a different direction tonight, but um, when I started, it felt forced. So I'm going to stick with the unforced rhythm of grace because I'm learning how important it is in our walk with the Lord. And I have to say that uh, it has done more for me. It may not have done a lot for you. But these messages have done more for me than probably any message that I've ever taught, especially in this time of my life. And so it was something I needed desperately, and I believe that it will help you if you receive it and learn of it. He said, learn of them. Learn of the unforced rhythms of grace. So we're going to start with the message because this is where we've been looking at the, in a Matthew 11, starting in verse 29. <clears throat> and I don't have a message, so I like the way this starts. And you know, today I really need this. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? And I'm just going to stop right now Why? and explain why I said that. This has been one of those days that has tried a man's soul. And I say, today is the day that has tried a woman's soul. I have just, I have been so busy. People calling, you know, I mean, it's just people visiting. all this, and I think, I've got to get ready for tonight. I've got to get ready for tonight. So uh, I was tested today on this unforced rhythm. So are you tired? Well, if you're worn out, you're burned out on religion, then there's something you need to do about it. It's not something you need to to keep in your life. Jesus is speaking, and he says, You come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. And you know, people are sometimes pulling on your life. Sometimes your life feels fragmented. And Jesus is saying, If you come to me, you're going to recover the wholeness that God wants you to have in your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. I think I've known people that do not know how to rest. They've got to be busy, busy, busy all the time. That's not me. I, I am not good with busy, but I can do busy. I'm finding out. I can do busy. It just depends if I lean on God or not. So Jesus said, you walk with me, you work with me, and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And that's what I've been sharing on for, this will be the fourth time, uh, because it's something we learn. It doesn't really come natural for us humans to have that rhythm of grace in our life, and we've covered a lot of different aspects of it. We covered the aspect of walking with Jesus every day, listening for His voice, being intimate with Him, knowing that He wants to have conversations with you, follow what He tells you to do, and then He will lead you. We talked about what grace means. It's, it's God's ability working in you to help you do what you can't do on your own. And that God has given each one of us different graces. And so um, there are rhythms to that grace. And so we've kind of been learning of it. Hopefully you've learned something. I've learned a lot. And Jesus said, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly that's the way God wants us to live. And I, I just jotted down, what. how do you know when your burden is heavy? I think we normally do, but let me just kind of define it. Um, if you'll go ahead and get the TPT version of, of that up ready to put up, but you'll know you're carrying a heavy burden when you feel overwhelmed, anxious, and feel like you're trying to force something that Uh, that takes great effort. So those are just some things I jotted down. And uh, obviously, uh, I had an opportunity to feel that way today. And it was, um, you know, it was a temptation to get anxious because of all the different things that I had to do. But I'm here, and I got through it, and I was able to bless a lot of people. So in the... Uh, TPT please Uh, it says this is a little more simple than uh, the message or the amplified simply join your life with mine learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle I'm humble I'm easy to please and you will find refreshment and rest in me so Uh, Okay, go ahead. I, I didn't. Go ahead to the next one. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. So this is how you know that you have a light burden. If it's easy to bear, if you have to force it, it becomes very heavy. You know, that's why Jesus said, put on my yoke, because heavy things get lighter when somebody else helps you. And you're yoked up to them. Now, I, I kind of saw it like this. I don't know if any of you like to do crossword puzzles. I mean, not crossword puzzles, puzzles. Jigsaw puzzles. I thought they were, you know, wasted time. Until one time my daughter said, um, Mom, let's do a jigsaw puzzle. And I said, I don't want to do that. She said, it's addictive. And I thought, How could it be addictive? I mean, if maybe there's something here I don't see. And so we got out a puzzle and we started putting it together. Lo and behold, it was addictive. I just, I just, it was fun. But I learned something about jigsaw puzzles. Uh, You know, there may be a piece that looks almost like the one you're looking for. But you get it up there. And you might be able to force it in there, but that's not the one that belongs there. And the picture is not complete. The picture is not the way it's supposed to be if you try to force a piece of puzzle where it is not supposed to be. And so, in God's plan for things, we kind of see a view of it in Romans, the 12th chapter. Starting in verse 3, this is the Amplified. In Romans 12, 3, it says, For the grace, and the Amplified uses this definition, but it's, it's a to me it's kind of a weak definition of grace because I believe grace goes far beyond unmerited favor. It, it's God's power and His ability and His giftings that work in you. Um, given to me, I warn everyone, Of among you, not to estimate and think of himself more highly than he ought, not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance, but to rate his ability with sober judgment, each according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. And I like to just uh, just keep that up there. uh, Verse four. Just go ahead and keep verse four up there. But uh, because I'm going to go to it here shortly. But I like to say this uh, God's saying, you know, don't think you're better than someone else, but don't think you're less better. You're important, but don't think you're too important because you're just part of a whole. And so, uh, verse 4 says, For as in one physical body we have many parts, we have organs, we have members. And all of these parts do not have the same function or use. Go on. Uh, so we, numerous as we are, are one body in Christ. This is a whole picture. Our Father knows the whole picture, and individually, we are parts of one another. And I like this in parentheses: mutually dependent. On one another, we need each other to make the picture whole. So uh, this is um, this is God's plan, and He's made you part of a jigsaw puzzle that He's putting together, and He wants this beautiful picture completed before Jesus Christ comes back. So we each have our part. And so your part is that unforced rhythm of grace that God has given you. What a blessing it is to learn your spot in the body of Christ where you're not, you're not trying to do everything. Where you're you know you're trying to fix other people. That's being for, that you are forcing Sometimes if you're trying to fix somebody, you may be getting them out of their unforced rhythm of grace, making them think that they're somebody that they're not. You know, I almost had to force myself to keep from teaching on not being critical of each other because uh, this is so much a part of what God is doing in the church is that he is forming together a whole and we get so out of the character of God and we really get into sin, I just have to call it what it is, when we criticize and judge other people. And they may be totally different than you. Most generally they are, and especially with husbands and wives. You know, because we're part of a puzzle. And we fit together. And so we should honor and we should esteem what God has put in our spouse. And then you will fit together. And it will be an unforced rhythm in your home. If you can just honor that person that God has given you. Honor the gifts. Thank God for the way they are. I just have to say, Pastor and I were cut from two different pieces of cloth. I mean, there was a lot of difference in our lives. He liked a lot of things that I tolerated. He hardly wanted to tolerate anything that I liked because mostly when he was shopping or something like that. But... But, you know, we learned to esteem one another. And I learned over the years that I absolutely loved the way God made my husband. No matter if he was different than me. And I told him a lot of times, I said, you know, I'm so glad you're a cowboy. I'm so glad you like horses. I'm glad one of us does. But, uh, you know, it, I, it began to I really esteemed him. Because, But he's different. And so uh, we've got to learn uh, how to honor the gifts in other people and uh, also use our gifts the way that God wants us to use our gifts. Now, I don't know if you caught it, but in the TPT, it said that God is easy to please. And I think that's really good news. He's not hard to please. How do you please God? You please him by caring for the things that he cares for. And so uh, I'm just going to take a few minutes tonight to uh, talk about what God cares for and talk about the rewards that we get. So I'm just going to go through it quickly. Time goes by so fast when you're up here. I guess it's because we're having fun. I don't know. But uh, Brad ministered on Sunday about the Good Samaritan uh, in Luke 10. And <clears throat> as he was ministering, because I was already in this vein of thinking about what I'm, I'm going to actually finish sharing with you tonight, I saw some things that uh, was really important to God. Um, And and this first verse says, you know, the lawyer came and he says, what can I do to inherit everlasting life, partake in, in eternal salvation in the Messiah's kingdom? Now, we know that the kingdom of God is not just when we get to heaven. It's here on this earth. So, of course, he was asking from the viewpoint of a man that was not born again at this point because Jesus had not died yet. And so there was no born again people until after Jesus died. But he was interested in life. And what, what maybe I would just say it this way. What God sees is important. I'll just put it that way. So then in verse 26, Jesus said to him, you know, what's written in the law, etc. Go ahead to the next uh, verse. And he replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is woven all through the Bible, this loving God and loving people part. And we could go to a lot of scriptures just to prove that. And so uh, then go on to the next one, verse 28. And Jesus said, you've answered correctly. He says, you do this, you do this, and you're going to have blessed, endless life in the kingdom of God. Even here on the earth. So go ahead to the next verse. Uh, And so then the man asked him, who is my neighbor? And, you know, that's a legitimate question because uh, the answer to this great question that he had was, how can I live a great life, you know, like in the kingdom of God here on this earth? How can I live it? And he said, love God and love your neighbor. Well, he says, "I, I just want to know who's my neighbor. And so Jesus began this parable. And I'm not going to go through the parable uh, verse by verse, so uh, and take up all the time, because Brad went through it Sunday, <clears throat> and uh, I thought it was very. He came up with a very unique uh, revelation of this this uh, parable, <clears throat> and as he was giving this his his revelation of it, I began to see some things that was important to God. and uh, y'all know the story, y'all were here, you heard it on Sunday, right? Okay, most of you. But this man, I could say that Satan really had attacked him, because the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. (coughs) So he had been robbed, and he had, there's things in his body that had been destroyed, and so he was in a bad state. <clears throat> There's a lot of people that we are going to meet as we walk through this life. That the devil has just beat up. They're hurting. They have problems they don't know how to get. They can't get out of it by themselves. And so this, uh, we, we know that the priest came by and he related that as a pastor, and I thought, yeah, I can kind of identify, because this pastor probably went by, and he thought, oh, not another one. You know, I have a, I've ministered to uh, 10 people this week. i am just burned out. I'm just going to turn, go the other way. Somebody else can take care of them. <coughs> I mean, I, I could see that that might be part of his problem. Uh, the Levite, you know, he's supposed to be a worker for the Lord, but who knows what he was on his mind? But evidently, he didn't think that was part of his job. But the Samaritan, the one that actually had compassion. So this is the key: when you walk in the unforced rhythms of grace, if you will follow the compassion in your heart. You will be part of a great puzzle that God has put together to help hurting people. A pastor cannot help every hurting person in the congregation. I just have to say that. They can't. They don't have enough time. They want them, they want them ministered to, but they don't have all the time. But there are people. And this one is, I mean, he doesn't have any status in life necessarily. He's just a Samaritan. And we could go to what a Samaritan was. He wasn't very well looked on in those days. But this Samaritan did what was in the heart of God. And let me just, I just jotted down what he did. He, first of all, he addressed the wounds in this person's life. So, you know, this was physical wounds, but there are emotional wounds. There are spiritual wounds. There's a lot of wounds. When you see it in people's lives, be prepared to dress those wounds. I would say address those wounds. And uh, he also poured in the oil and the wine, the Bible says, which was a healing component. So these people that are hurting Uh, They've been robbed by Satan. You know, the oil and the wine, I believe, has to do with the love of God being shed abroad in your heart where you pour it out to another person. Most generally, people that are hurting, they are feeling abandoned. They're feeling uh, they're hurt because they've been rejected. What they really need is love, period. They need somebody to love them. And so uh, he he uh, helped them heal, and then I liked what Brad said on Sunday. They he brought him to the innkeeper. He took him to a place where he could get help, and uh, that's something we can do. If you don't feel like you can help them, find you know take them somewhere, bring them to church. They're going to get help here eventually if they if they come. And, uh, of course, he likened it to bringing them to Jesus, and that's very important. And then last of all, and this is what really stood out to me, sometimes there are people that their gifting is just giving finances. You say, you know, I, I don't know how to do this other, but I can give finances. That's a part of God's heart, is to give of your means, I'll tell you one thing, if you're a giver and you like to give financially, God will see to it that you always have finances to give. Because that's part of the whole puzzle. Because there are people that are in need. And the heart of God, what really pleases God is to help people because that's what he wants. He wants people helped. And, you know, right now, you know, we've got people that they're hurting from, from their loved ones being uh, uh, going on to heaven. They're, there's sickness. There's, you know, there's a lot of things going on. Well, if the Lord gives you an unction to do something for any of those people, then that's an unforced rhythm of grace. And it's important that you do that. So, you know, some people sit in congregations and they never think about another person and, or look around to see if there's something that they could do for someone else. Well, this would be a good time to learn about the unforced rhythms of grace. Let's, let's begin to look around and see what can be done. And I'm telling you, I experienced an outpouring Of this unforced rhythms of grace from this congregation during the time that I had gone through. The valley of the shadow of death. Where people just did things for me that, uh, they were looking for things to do for me. And I say, thank you so much. Now let's just, let's turn it around and let's do it for someone else too. Let's keep doing it. It's fun. Right? So... uh, Anyway, those are just some things that stood out to me that is important to God. That's what pleases him very much. And so uh, in Matthew twenty-five thirty-five to 40, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, let me just read the first part of it. It says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you brought me together with yourself and welcomed and entertained and lodged me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me with help and ministering care. I was in prison and you came to see me. And then the others begin to ask questions. Well, when? You know, when? So let's jump down to 40, verse 40. And the king will reply to them, Truly I tell you, in as far as you did it for one of the least in the estimation of men, the least... In the estimation of men, of these, my brethren, you did it for me. That's God's heart. All of those things that he talked about, that's what's important to God. And so um, I told you that I had actually been reading in the book Angels on Assignment again because there's one chapter on it that talks about uh, when God says thanks and I'm just going to read you a few things here um, that it says uh, about this scripture in particular. These are the deeds that are written down in our book. So, Terry, when you go to the prisons and the jails and you visit, you are, that's being written in your book in heaven. When you fix a meal, not you, Terry, don't try this. But when you fix a meal... For someone that's sick or, you know, whatever, you see a need and you meet that need, that is written down in your book in heaven. We have a book. Actually, uh, the Bible tells us in, uh, let me see where I I wrote that down. Uh, Where is that? Matthew 10, I think. Think I don't know if I wrote that down. I may not have given this to you, but let me just see if I can find it. I thought I did, but oh my goodness! When I was putting my notes together today, it was like, you know, I'm just glad to be here. All I can say, uh, with some notes, I'll just have to tell you this. I finally. At six o'clock this evening, I finally got all my notes typed up and I thought, okay, good. Good. So I run down to the basement to uh, print them off. I started printing it and my printer was out of ink. I said, seriously? (laughs) What else? So I had to hang on to that unforced rhythm of grace and I actually got it done. But uh, uh, in... uh, Anyway, let me just, I must have left this out, but I want to I mention it. It's in one of these, you can look it up when you get home, right? It says, if you give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus as one of his disciples, you will not lose your reward. It's talking about... Even a cup of cold water is written down in heaven. So everybody can start building a resume in heaven of things that you have done. Oh, it's up there. Thank you. You found something I couldn't find. And whoever gives to one of these little ones in rank or influence even a cup of cold water because he or you are his disciples... Surely I declare to you, he shall not lose his reward. Do you have that other uh, scripture there? In is it in Mark? Okay, never mind. It just words it a little bit different than just lose your reward. But uh, if you don't, that's fine. So Romans, let me just say this: Romans fourteen ten. This is our. This is where we're headed. And we're thinking about heaven a lot lately. You know, there's a whole lot of people going home. I don't know if you've noticed, but it seems like it's accelerated. I mean, just since pastor died, I've done three funerals, and I'm going to be doing two more here in the next, this week and next week. I mean, that's, that's a lot of people to die right here in this congregation. But Romans 14.10 says, We shall, just the last part of it says, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. We talked a little bit about this last week. And I really wanted to just center in on it. And I haven't even got to it tonight even. But I just want to say that, you know, sometimes you get scared when you think of standing before a judgment seat. But let me just say um, what this was written down in Angels on Assignment about this judgment seat of Christ says, if you have been deceived into believing that on that glorious day of judgment, a lot of condemnation is going to be brought against you, I have good news for you. It's not going to happen that way. It's going to be a beautiful day when instead of judgmental condemnation, God says, thanks. There is not going to be one person present At this believer's judgment who will hear one harsh word of condemnation. Because Jesus has paid our penalty through his death. This is a time when God is going to say thank you. He's going to take you by the hand. And he's going to say thank you. He's going to open your book. And in that book, it's going to be all the cups of cold water that you gave. The pies that you baked, the times you visited the prisoners, the people that you prayed for that were sick, the times that you went out of your way to minister and, and share share your love and your care for people. And it's all gonna be written down. And you know, sometimes we think, well, the times that you witness is gonna be the most important thing that's written down. That's not what's going to be the most important thing. In fact, the good deeds that you do take priority in heaven in your book, and there are greater rewards for that than even witnessing. Now, it's good to witness, but let me tell you, you soften people's hearts by being kind and doing good deeds, and then if your life has already witnessed to them and then if you have an opportunity to share jesus they are eager to hear what you have to say they it's like they are open and ready i have learned this over the years that it's so important that we show jesus before we tell them about jesus And then they're ready to hear. And so I'm just going to read some three scriptures um, about the judgment seat of Christ. And then we're going to close for tonight. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. I wrote you in my previous letter not to... Is that right? It may be second... Sorry, I think this should be second. Can you get that very quickly? I was in my unforced rhythm of grace when I did this. Remember that. So uh, if, you, if you have a lot of trouble getting that, we'll go to the next one. First Corinthians five, Second 2 Corinthians 5, excuse me, verse 9. Let me just find it here. I do have a Bible. Okay. Therefore, whether we are... This is Paul. I tell you, he was always wanting to go to the other side. If you remember, he'd been there. It's like, I just like to go on, but I'm going to stay here. I can't decide. Okay, I guess I'll stay here. But anyway, therefore, whether you are at home on earth away from him, or away from home and with him, we are constantly ambitious and strive earnestly to be pleasing to Him. Okay, I want to just mention, that's what, we're, that's what we're after, pleasing Him. Therefore, oh, go on to verse 10. For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive his pay according to what he has done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motives have been. And what he has achieved, being busy with and giving himself and his attention to accomplishing. So it does talk about good and evil. But the evil part, uh, we'll, we'll learn about that in 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 11. The evil part, we think, oh, that's every time you sin. That's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about the sins. So here's, uh, for no, no other foundation can anyone lay "...than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One. But if anyone builds upon the foundation, whether it be gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of each one will become plainly open, known, and shown for what it is. For the day of Christ will disclose and declare it, because it will be revealed with fire." and the fire will test and critically appraise the character and the worth of the work each person has done. So uh, if the work which any person has built on this foundation, any product of his efforts, whatever, survives this test, he will get his reward. But if any person's work is burned up under the test, he will suffer the loss of it all, losing his reward for that particular work, Though he himself will be saved, but only as one who has passed through the fire. So it's talking about, you know, when we're, when we're before the judgment seat of Christ, the motives of our heart will be tried with fire. When God tells you to do something and you do it, you're going to get a reward. When you decide, I'm going to do this because I would love, everybody's going to say, wow, isn't she wonderful? That's going to be burned up. I don't care if you give your body to be burned. I don't care if you give all of your finances. I don't care what you do. If you don't do it out of love for God, it's going to be burned up. And you will not get a reward for that. So that's what I, why I'm, what I shared with you earlier is so important when it comes to the rewards that we're going to get when we get to heaven. So uh, the last one that we're going to look at is 1 Corinthians 4. Starting in verse 3. But as for me personally, this is Paul again. It matters very little to me that I should be put on trial by you on this point. He's talking about being an apostle and so on or whether he's been faithful. And that you or any other human tribunal should investigate and question and cross-examine me. I do not even put myself on trial and judge myself. Now, stop there just for a second. If we would have that mindset, we would live a life free, a lot freer than we normally do. Because we worry about what people think about us, and we are very critical of ourselves sometimes. And Paul just says, I don't care whether it's you or me, I don't allow it to influence me in any way but as for me personally oh okay go on to the next verse now I'm not conscious of anything against myself and I feel blameless and I am not vindicated and acquitted before God on that account it is the Lord himself who examines and judges me we are doing what we do before God we need to be conscious that what we do we're doing it before God go ahead with verse 5 so do not make any hasty or premature judgments before the time when the Lord comes again for he will bring both bring to light the secret things that are now hidden in darkness and disclose and expose the secret aims the motives and the purposes of the heart then every man will receive his due what thank you From God. His due thank you from God. So the hidden things that are buried that he's going to bring to light are those times when you didn't let your right hand know what your left hand was doing. You know, Jesus talked about that. Nobody knew. Nobody knew that you were doing it. But you did it as unto the Lord. And it's going to be flashed up. That's what she did then. And they're, oh, yay. What an awesome thing. What an awesome thing. So uh, every person is going to hear these words. Thank you. Thank you. You did a good job. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at thechristcenter.org. Thank you.